Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 pound 590 on your wireless, or toll-free 1-877-590-KLBJ. Wow, hey. It was a little warm this weekend, but hey, it wasn't 108, so I'm happy. I don't know about y'all, but uh, hey, I'm Cheryl McLaughlin, as you heard. This is the Austin Gardener. And we are here to talk with you about your questions, your landscapes, your input. We appreciate all that, uh, the great tips. And you're especially good at when I can't think of a word, y'all think of it for me. And I really love that. I'm probably going to be needing that a little bit more as time goes on. Anyway, uh, just want to take a moment to encourage you to uh, consider Kevin Wood Landscapes. Dot com. That's the website. If you have a project you need done, um, I think you'll be very happy. And you can go on the website and look at the pretty pictures and contact uh, through the, the uh, website. There's a contact page on there. And it's, uh, it's wonderful when you specialize in native Texas plants, use really good soil, really good techniques that last uh, irrigation, lighting, all kinds of construction, rock work, patios, waterfalls, water features, you name it. Uh, so thank you very much for that consideration. But today it's all about y'all. So you can either uh, call or text 512-836-0590. And we have a toll-free line, uh, and that is 877 so I'm pretty excited about the potential for a little bit of rain this week. Somebody wrote on here two to four inches. Yay, I'll take it. I mean, we need about 15, but to feel, you know, probably not going to get that for a while. But I love this time of year because this is when we start getting northers and interesting weather um, all over the place. So again, 512-836-0590, call or text. And we have a caller online, so let's go there first to South Austin. Hi, Trey. Thanks for calling. Yes, uh, I've got a septic system in my backyard. <clears throat> it's kind of a small lot in South Austin that's just out of the city limits. And uh, we're having some erosion problems, and I, I really want, I'm starting to maybe have some pipes that want to daylight. You can see the humps in the yard where the septic lines run. Mm-hmm. And I want to throw down some new topsoil like but I don't know if I need, like, a chocolate loam or I, I want to do something to build the soil up to improve the, the drainage. But I'm not really sure if I should just get a whole dump truck of chocolate loam and drop that on top and then throw sod on top of that. Because we don't have grass, we have clover. So I, I need some enriching dirt to put sod on top of. But What kind of system that, is it, Trey? It's not one with sprinklers. It's an old school one that's pressurized, but the sprinklers don't pop up out of the ground. So it's evapotranspiration? Yeah, it yeah. still pressurizes and pushes out through the lines, but we don't have sprinklers for anything. Well you, well, you just don't want to apply anything with a lot of clay in it, obviously. So you'd want sort of a, a sandy soil, a loosey-goosey soil. Avoid anything that says... Uh, sandy loam or topsoil because typically those have a lot of clay in them um i'm not sure exactly what the right thing to do would be but i would probably go for a 
a 60-40 mix of loam and compost, something like that. Um, okay. and, and then you could, is it in, it's in the sun, I would assume. Yes. Yeah, so then you could plant native grasses. I mean, I don't know if you want a turf, but you got to remember, if you do sod, that comes in on a one-inch layer of clay. So I'd okay. be I'd be real careful doing that because you might inhibit the system. I'm really not an expert on this, and I, if I were you, I might contact a, a septic system company and ask them what they would do. But there's a lot of stuff you can do by seed. You know, like there's a native grass mixes, native wildflower mixes, that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. That's still good info to keep me from doing the wrong thing or having someone sell me the wrong thing. So I'll, I'll pursue that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. Good luck. Uh-huh. All righty. Bye-bye. Oh, I have uh, some texts here that I was going to comment on. But again, 512-836-0590. Call or text that number. So somebody texted Jeff a picture of a beautiful little watermelon. And... He says, how do you know when a watermelon is ripe to pick? And Jeff is so funny. He goes, I have no idea. I never get it right. I think you have to call an expert. So I went to my book, uh, the you know Texas uh, Organic Gardening Guide, and read what Howard Garrett had to, and Malcolm Beck had to say about it. And they say, watermelons are ripe and ready for harvest when the tendril nearest the fruit has completely turned dry and brown or the second one out is brown the other method to tell whether the fruit is ready is to thump it mature fruit has a deep dull sound Uh, the ground spot should be an off yellow and rough to the touch so maybe that'll help you a little bit i went to uh, randall's one day and I was looking for a watermelon, and I asked the produce guy, how do I tell if these are ripe? And he got a description on his phone right quick that told us a bunch of details about how to tell if it's ripe, including evaluating the, you know, the sort of the texture of the watermelon. So I know there's, I don't know what, what, Uh, He was looking at, but you might just do Google um, how to tell if a watermelon's right. But the tried and true way is if that tendril right closest to the melon is brown uh, and dry, then it should be ready to harvest. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, Let's see here. We got any other ones here? Uh, good morning. I have, oh wait, I guess he answered it. I was going to answer this, but he gave exactly the right answer. And the, here was the text. Uh, I have two potted palm plants and wondered if it's absolutely necessary to add uh, perlite in the soil, or is it okay if I didn't add that? Thank you so much. And he answered exactly how I would have, which is not necessary, but your soil must drain well. Um, that's the priority, and I would have said the exact same thing. So, sorry to answer twice. Uh, Let's see here. Best time to plant wildflowers, planting method, place to buy. Okay, now's the perfect time to plant wildflowers. 
Um, the method is simply to rough up the soil. You've got to have good seed soil contact when you put your wildflower seeds out there. So you don't just throw them out in a turf grass, you know, of St. Augustine or something. Uh, they, they have to have little crevices and, and little places where the seeds can lodge. So when you broadcast your seed, um, some people will walk on it. Other people will turn the rake over in sort of smooth soil lightly over the seeds. They have to be very close to the surface. Uh, other people will use a gentle nozzle uh, on their hose and kind of water them in that way. As far as where to buy them, there's, you know, plenty of good seed <coughs> sources like wild seed farms, Native American seed. Uh, most good nurseries, if they're local, will carry seeds. The Wildflower Center always has seeds. So you could go out there, and, of course, they're going to have the best right ones for for our area. Um, so that's what I would say. And it's imperative that you plant blue bonnets, flocks, and Indian paintbrush from seed in the fall uh, because they need to winter over as rosettes. All the other stuff, if you do a mix of uh, 20 different things, a lot of them aren't going to germinate until spring anyway. So you could just buy different single species, but just know that bluebonnets, flocks, and Indian paintbrush like to be planted in the fall so that they can germinate, um, create little rosettes, and winter over. So that's, uh, that's a good bit of information. There's a ton of information also on wildflower.org about planting wildflowers, how to do it correctly. And that's the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Research Center's website. So wildflower.org. It's a fabulous website. All right, well, let's get that first break out of the way. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back, and we have several texts to get to, but let me give you the phone numbers again. If you want to call in or text, 512-836-0590, and we have a toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525, so again, 512-836-0590. Hey, I want to give a shout-out real quick to some people that helped my daughter with a big landscape project at her kids' school. My babies are going to Matthews um, Elementary School now, and the grounds were just beat to death. I did work there so many years ago, uh, did some plantings and stuff at many schools or earlier in my career. But you know how it is. They have no money for this kind of thing. So the, the uh, parents are uh, trying to raise some money. So... Uh, she called on several people and got some really good help, uh, starting with the guys from Kevin Wood Landscapes. The irrigation system was completely messed up, and they went and worked on it tirelessly. And then they got a really nice donation from Ewing Irrigation Supplies for some valves and stuff, which we highly appreciate. And finally, a really good uh, company, uh, gave her a very good deal on 
mulch and compost, and that's Lone Star Mulch and Compost out from McDade. Uh, and I just want to shout out to these people and thank you because they helped make this possible along with a lot of hard labor. Uh, things are looking great at the school, much better. And Sarah went in there and planted a bunch of wildflower seeds and, and uh, more planting to come, which I'm going to help with, of course. So, all right, let's see here. Here's some text. Uh, good morning, Cheryl. Happy Sunday morning. When is the best time to transplant volunteer lantana? These are older, the old-style lantana that turns into a large bush. If they are a large bush, I would probably wait until the end of winter, the beginning of next spring, to transplant them uh, because you got to get all the roots. So if they're large bushes, you don't say how big, but you do say these are older, so I'm assuming they're fairly mature it, if you have a bunch of them that you're going to move around, you could try doing one now. Just make sure that you cut it way back. You get all the roots you can. And um, then hopefully we don't get a really hard freeze in the next couple of months so they can start getting their roots established. I mean, I think you could take a chance and do it now. Um, but I think it might be more successful to transplant those bush lantanas until uh, waiting until maybe March. That's just my two cents. I don't plant little starts of lantana this time of year, like four-inch lantana. I'll definitely plant a bigger lantana. Um, but, you know, those are containers, and they don't have their roots cut, so it's a lot easier. Uh, okay, it says, Back when I was a kid, my dad used to lay eggs straw from a broom on the watermelon if it turned a certain way it was ripe huh i don't uh egg straw i don't get that if it turned a certain way it was right not sure uh what that means sorry uh okay here's another text with photos Hi, Cheryl. We planted a few pecan trees two weeks ago. They went in the best. They weren't in the best shape when we purchased them, but their leaves have since started getting this brown stain to them. We were uh, careful in the process when we planted them, and then we had lots of success with the other trees. What's going on with the pecan tree? Uh, one other question. We also planted Japanese maple. I've heard they tend to struggle here. Any suggestions on how to promote the best health for it? Thanks so much. You're always helpful. Recently added better soil of that to that sad flower bed that I had sent you a picture of. Oh, good for you, Ashley. Uh, again, Ashley, I cannot enlarge this photo. I can't tell what's going on, but I would not worry about it because the pecan trees are going to be uh, going dormant anyway so it may have a little leaf fungus or something like that just make sure that you mulch it really well uh, for the winter and give it some good deep water <clears throat> and if it loses its leaves uh, you, you won't know much until spring but I would imagine that it would uh, emerge fine in the spring as far as the Japanese maple yeah, they don't love it here because they prefer acid soils. Um, it, I don't, you don't say which kind you planted, but I usually use the dwarf 
Oh, I see you did give me some close-ups of the leaves. Yeah, that looks like just a little leaf fungus. I wouldn't worry too much about that pecan leaf. Anyway, as far as the maples go, I tend to give them a little shade, um, especially if they're the dwarf lace leaf maples. And then hope for rainwater. Save rainwater. Water them with rainwater. Um, because if you have to water too long with city water, they don't really like that. Okay, here's another text. And by the way, if you want to join in, 512-836-0590. Uh, can I plant lavender as a companion crop with arugula to deter cats from spraying? The male cats are attracted to my olive leaf arugula for some reason. Isn't that crazy? Lavender, most lavenders uh, aren't really winter hardy here. There are some that are. I might, that's interesting. I think I might have to screen them off or something. Maybe put some row cover uh, around the edges with a little bit of chicken wire fencing or something to keep those cats. That is the weirdest thing that they're spraying with arugula. I mean, you can try lavender, but it's late in the year for things that aren't typically really winter hardy. I'd be I'd be probably looking at something else like society garlic maybe would be a good deterrent. Um, that would be my choice instead. Hopefully they won't be attracted to the garlic. Uh, let's see. Here is another picture. It says, sorry, I don't know the names. My wife bought them. Do I plant them in the ground now or put in a greenhouse? Oh, that looks like Mexican mint marigold, I think. Let me look closer. Huh. Well, the top one is Mexican marigold. I can't tell what the second one is. But, yeah, you can go ahead and put them in the ground now. That's what I would do. Okay, here's another text. My neighbor used to get kids to test the watermelons by using a broom straw balanced perpendicular to the end of the watermelon and it would turn in line. Now, I think that was just gently blowing on it to amaze us. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I just don't, I don't know. Oh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> what is the best method to plant wildflower seeds in an already established grassy meadow. Okay, this is uh, the same one that says that asked me earlier about planting wildflower seeds. You have to try to find some areas between the other plants where you can kind of scratch the surface with a soft leaf rake um, and sort of rough up the bare patches. So if you if you have a too thick of a grass area, the seeds are not going to be able to make soil contact. And that's critical you know you have to be able to do that so you what you have to do is find some areas where you can you know rake down to bare earth and then plant your seeds that way that's my best advice um so okay there's another comment about a straw from a broom uh not sure about that Okay, here. So this morning I gathered up what I thought were inland sea oat seeds, but I had some problems getting them to sprout. 
uh, is there any trick or special thing I need to do? Great show. Look forward to it every weekend. Thank you so much. Typically, no. You don't have to do any pre-treatment on inland sea oat seeds. In fact, the biggest complaint is that they spread too much. But typically, most grasses spread primarily through runners and rhizomes, not from seed, ironically. Uh, but inland sea oats should uh, germinate fairly regularly uh, and without any special treatment. So you got to give them a couple of weeks. Um, they may not want to germinate right now, so you may want to keep them over the winter in a paper bag, not a plastic bag, uh, and see if you can get them to germinate maybe in the spring. I mean, you've probably got a lot of lot of seeds. And the other thing I would do with seeds like this is just put them where you want them and walk away. And just like planting a wildflower seed or something, just put them where you want them. Most people are <laughs> trying to keep them from taking over. I love inland sea oats, but oh my God, they're so aggressive sometimes. So, Okay, well, we're getting close to the news break. So if you guys want to get in line to call or text... Use 512-836-0590. And toll-free line is 877-590-5525. And you're always welcome to call. I will take those first before I take the text. But anyway, let's do the news. We'll be back. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. right we are back and if you want to join the show 512-836-0590 that's the call or text line and we have the 877-590-5525 which is the toll-free line Uh, let's go back here to the text Um, here's one that I'm so glad they asked this should I be worried about oak wasp galls do I need to get rid of them No, these are beneficial little wasps, little tiny wasps. They have been, you know, coexisting with oak trees for probably a million years, and they are no problem whatsoever. Definitely do not try to get rid of them, these little oak galls. Uh, Oh, what's this? Um, Morning, Cheryl. wanted to share, have had this type of cactus i guess for several years this year it produced this flower for a couple of days jeffrey in west austin that is so beautiful yeah beautiful white flower gorgeous okay let's go to the phone lines let's head out to Maynard. hello richard what's going on out there hey cheryl it's been about maybe five hello Wait, you, you skipped out there. It's been about five what? Five years since I talked to you. I Remember, I used to be a part-time DJ, and I used to call you. Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, I, I should be listening to you, and, and, and sorry. May your husband rest in peace in heaven. And Thank uh, you. I enjoy your show a lot. Thank you, Richard. Um, 
I guess I was calling was because uh, I used to be in the produce department, and I remember I used to get a a little broom with a straw, and I would put it right in the center of the watermelon, and nobody blew on it. And if it moved back and forth, back and forth, that watermelon was ripe. So I'm not a big believer on that. Huh. Well, I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to take a broom straw over to Randall's and see (laughs) see if it works. Isn't that amazing, though? If it's true, that would be such a great way to... You know, determined. Uh, I thought it was just a myth. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that sounds like a, a good tip. Things and it really worked. And I can look at a watermelon, look at a pineapple, or whatever, and I can tell you, like avocados, the darker, the better. The smaller, the better. They got more taste. Mm. And I like the, the smooth avocado. So, you know, it just, I've been at it for many years in the produce department. So it's in my blood. Hey, I respect that, man. We need more people like you. And these days, you just get a blank stare from these people. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but, and so, and I'm still picking a lot of uh, chili picking every year. I got them in the freezer, and and now they're coming back again because of the rain. So, hoping I get another little batch. But uh, I'm just so grateful that we have uh, somebody like you every Sunday and Saturday. Oh. And um, um, I really enjoy you a whole lot. Well, Richard, I really appreciate your call. And it's folks like you that call in and give me information I, that I get to learn a lot from the listeners. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Yes, I'm you too. Okay. Call again. Bye-bye. How sweet. Um, okay, here's another text. In an area of my lawn that died in the heat, I'm digging down to the marley clay and screening out all the rocks i'm replacing the soil i remove but should i use texas native dillo dirt or enriched top five soil or top enriched topsoil to replace the volume of rocks this is this area is big enough that compost is too expensive well, yeah, I don't, you don't say what you're doing with it, but if you're putting in lawn back in or ha- trying to get the lawn to fill back in, uh, you could go with a, a – you don't have to use the best, priciest stuff. You could do a, a combination of loam and compost, like 60% loam, 40% compost, and that will go a long way because you probably don't have to fill in too much but that way, at least you get some good nutrition in there when you fill it in. So hopefully that will help you. Because, yeah, good compost, man. It's not cheap. Uh, let's see. I don't understand this, but it's, uh, I'll read it to you. Nature's truth is the dry, curly cue. All other methods are made up because they didn't know about the dry curly. I think they're talking about the watermelon t- tendril, the little curly Q thing on the end, looks like a little pigtail. Uh, 100%, I think that's the best, most, you know, reliable way to tell if a watermelon is ripe. That's why I like to buy the cut slices, man. Okay, Hill Country Landscape Contractor here. For all those that are planting, transplanting, and seeding 
Uh, wildflowers, seaweed, seaweed, seaweed. Also, I do an Epsom salt, which is magnesium sulfate, liquid spray um, on the alkaline soils. It will help in releasing the existing nutrients. Love your show. Keep up the great work. Organiscape of Texas. That is a really great input right there. You, you know, seaweed has a lot of micronutrients in it and hormones and things. And a lot of that can help uh, seeds to germinate. So that is very good information. The Epsom salt spray, also really a good idea. So, you know, probably if you're doing an acre, it probably would be kind of hard to pull that off. But I love that advice right there. Okay, here's the numbers again. If you want to call or text 512-836-0590 or again, the toll-free line, 877-590-5525. Um, let's see our next text here. Um, just an FYI, still seeing monarchs. For some crazy reason, they were hovering around some cucumber blooms on friday saw four at one time oh man i don't know what is going on but why i haven't seen them uh in my in my yard or maybe they're just there and i'm i'm not home or not you know seeing it because i got i got stuff blooming um that they should like but i guess i just i don't know maybe they decided to take a slightly different flyway this year okay uh, I have a big live oak that lost two huge branches this last winter now there are a ton of shoots coming out on the main trunks uh, I'd like a branch to grow there from just one of those shoots how should I uh, trim it Lots of shoots along these sections. Perhaps I could just leave them all and see what happens. That's what I would do. I was just going to say that some one will emerge as dominant probably eventually. I have the exact same situation in my yard right now, uh, where a big oak tree broke off, and I'm and it's all sprangly growth, and I'm looking to see whether one of those sprangles will emerge as a dominant branch. Okay, time for the last break. Let's get that over with, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we are back for the last segment of the show, and if you'd like to join in, 512-836-0590. That is the call or text number um i have a a text here i've been trying to plant garlic for the past couple of years and every year something goes wrong last year i looked in horror to see otherwise healthy garlic sprouts were covered in mites i sprayed but by that time uh it was way too late is there something I can do ahead of time to prevent the mites? Wondering if I, uh, if it's actually better to grow garlic indoors. No, now's a perfect time to plant it. Um, really, 
Uh, and they love good drainage, though. If you don't have good drainage, you're going to have problems with them. So raised beds uh, are best, that kind of thing, to grow garlic. Um, if you do see the mites, and you're going to have to keep a really close eye on this if it's a problem, uh, you can use uh, citrus sprays on the plants. And there's some really good ones that have citrus well already mixed in uh, that you can spray on there. You can also use a garlic pepper spray mixed with seaweed. That's a deterrent for mites. You know, I've always said spider mites can be repelled by using liquid seaweed. Like, you know how they get lantanas? Ever? Oh, they just love to get spider mites, that is, get lantanas. Well, um, regular seaweed sprays can deter them and can repel them. doesn't kill them, but it, they don't like it for some reason. So I think you do your garlic. Just make sure that your, your soil is really well drained. So you can use raised beds, rows, or hills. Um, and then you can fertilize at least twice with an organic fertilizer and spray at least monthly with, you know, something like... Um, a little bit of a, an organic spray. I mean, I'll tell you what I like, and that is this stuff, and they don't pay me to say this, but Antifuego uh, from Gardenville, assuming you can still find it. I haven't bought it lately, but it is a, a very good, basically formulated to drench, you know, fire ant mounds, but... It turns out that, yes, it works on, like, if you get a pot full of fire ants, it works. But it also works on a lot of other stuff, and it has good uh, stuff for the soil, like humates and, and all kind of good stuff in there. So you can spray with that, or you can spray just a diluted uh, orange oil spray uh, on the mites, and that way you can probably dissuade them. Uh, but, yeah, you sounds like you're doing everything right, you know? Uh, just definitely the drainage that is key, right? Okay, 512-836-0590. I looked out of my canyon behind my house, and I have a much better view since my big red oak fell over, um, and was just so uh, dismayed to see how many china berries have come up in the canyon. I already had a problem with ligustrums, and now it's china berries. And you can see them right now because they're already turning really bright yellow. And I can't get down there. Uh, physically cannot get down into this canyon to kill those china berry trees. Uh, but if you want to get rid of them, you can take a hatchet, hack into the trunk and then deposit Roundup in that cut and that can kill them. They're very, very in invasive, really a bad plant and it just makes me sick to see what was a canyon full of native plants now being just invaded with uh, china berries and ligustrums. It just breaks your heart to see it. Um, <clears throat> Gosh. Okay, it says here, please repeat and explain what Richard was saying. He said, the way to tell if a watermelon is ripe, take a straw of, you know, a broom straw, a piece of straw out of a broom, 
lay it on the top of the watermelon. And if the watermelon is ripe, the broom straw will will toggle back and forth. I have never tried this. I mean, if anybody has tried it, I'd like to know for sure. But that's what Richard was saying. And he used to work in the produce department, so he knows a lot about produce and how to tell if it's right. Uh, but again, the Organic Gardening Guide says they're ripe when the tendril closest to the fruit turns brown and dry. So that's that's what we've been. That's what Richard was trying to tell us was that if you. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to go get a straw out of my broom and take it up to Randall's and put it on the watermelon and see if it goes back and forth. So that would be nice, huh, if we had something that easy to tell. Okay. All right. Thank you for the garlic information. Yeah, I don't know about starting garlic indoors. I don't, you know, I guess you could try it. I mean, we start a lot of other stuff indoors, but you'd have to have a really bright light. Um what how what Malcolm Beck recommends is that you try to find organically grown garlic bulbs, large, nice bulbs, and those are the ones that you want to plant. Um, and the first couple of weeks in October are perfect for it. I think it was probably a little hot this year, so that's why I'm saying now is probably a great time to plant that garlic. Um, so I'd like to know if you have good luck with it. And again, drainage is just everything uh, with garlic. So you can make little hillocks or, again, do raised beds, and that's going to be your best bet. And the soil has to drain well, obviously. So you're going to want to, you know, have a soil that's got some minerals, a good mineral quantity in there, whether it's decomposed granite or mineral sands, you know, we're always talking about top dressing and this time of year, by the way, is the perfect time to aerate and top dress your lawns with uh, the, what we call top dressing, which is 50% compost, 50% mineral sands. And the soil places will have these. A lot of times they make them themselves. Um, and some people will use different kinds of sand, um, mineral sands. Not just granite, but other kinds too. Granite's just readily available. So, yeah, it's a really anti-fuego from Gardenville. Yes, that's what it was. Somebody asked me this. So, again, one last chance to encourage you to go to the website, KevinWoodLandscapes.com, and check out the company. See if there's any projects that you need done that they can help you with. Um, look at some of the other things that have been done. It's really a full-service design-build company. And, again, I want to thank them so much for, for fixing the irrigation at the school because that was a monster job. Um, you can only imagine <clears throat> through the years. It was put in a long time ago uh, trying to get that to run again because there's no point in planting anything if you if you can never irrigate it, right? And, of course, right now, we don't have a lot of water to spare, but uh, thanks again to them, Ewing, and Lone Star Mulch and Compost for all your help with Matthew's project. And again, I will be back next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thank you guys for all your input, and I'll see you next week.